Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. Jay Paul Jackson here today, joined by my co-host Dave Reynolds, who's back with us after a little time on vacation. Uh, we've also got Jeffrey Whitlock on standby, although I see he's got his mic muted right now, but he's ready to jump in just in case. Did a great job during Dave's absence. And then uh, we've also got our lead engineer out there, Mud Buddy, Keith Mitchell in here with us who I have called Kevin before on the podcast. And if I do that again, I apologize in advance, buddy. I see you're calling in from your phone, apparently. I know you're in the office there, but we can hear you. We can hear you, but we can't see you, Keith. Yeah, yeah. Technical difficulties with the the computer. So I'm just a call in. Kind of like my buddy that was – who's on there with us too. We can, you can hear him, but you can't see him. <laughs> that would yeah. be Freddie King. Would it be? That would be that redheaded guy named Freddie. <laughs> I guaranteed it. <laughs> hey Freddie. Yeah, man. It's good to have you back today too. Coming to us from, from bald knob where I guess you've probably got all of what one bar of service today. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm actually just north of, north of bald knob. Well, north, west the ball knob over on the farm and it's just it's horrible oh you gotta have a cell tower within 50 or 100 miles of well i mean here, here's the here's the deal i i do a ton of live feeds when i'm doing some training right so and just to make sure that i can get all the way through a, a 10 or 15 minute live feed i have both uh uh all at&t and verizon I have both, and, and I have, and and I put my I put my phone. You know, I'm using AT and T, and then it'll jump over to Verizon. And don't ask me why it does that. But the uploads, you know, never fail, but it won't stay on one very long. And you can tell when it jumps back and forth just by watching the video. One will be clear, one won't. But if you try to just use one, it'll drop every single time. It's horrible. You just got to find that high spot there in Bald Knob. <laughs> yeah, two hundred feet above sea level. Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. That's about right. When that big meteor hits, they say that wave's gonna reach all the way up here. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I'll be going to the plant tomorrow, and one of the things that I hate the most and love the most about going to the plant in Mountain View is there's about a fifty mile stretch there where. uh I lose cell service completely. It's kind of cool because my phone that rings off the hook these days for a while won't ring, but it sucks too because if I need to call somebody or have something come up, I can't do it. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, Jay Paul, I'm going to cut in. I'm sorry, I'm going to cut in real quick. Will you uh, hit record? Yes, I will. Perfect. Hey, and and uh, Keith, I think it's you. Yeah, Pretty I just, heavy. <laughs> yeah, I just ran in and told him. You guys got me all excited because of my past knowledge. Oh my god! Oh, oh lord! You know, for those of you listening out there, we have the ability through Zoom, uh, the meeting 
video meeting uh, tool that we use to uh, chat with each other too. And I just sent Keith a message telling him that we could hear him breathing hard. Just hold your breath for about 30 minutes. That's what I told Jeffrey. I got to breathe. <laughs> He's like, just hold your breath. I'll be, I'll be dead. <laughs> Oh, uh, most of times when, when you're doing video, it's like, what do I do with my hands? I guess when you're doing a podcast, what do I do with my lungs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, gosh, man. I'll tell you what I've been so excited about today. And for our regular listeners, you know, you probably caught last week when, when we had Freddie on there. But if you didn't, you need to go back and check that out because this is part two. Or, or stage two of the On the X podcast featuring Freddie King. And uh, today we got a bunch of different stuff that we want to talk about and don't want to draw this out. But we brought Keith on board today because, you know, Freddie to a lot of people is the face of Mud Buddy. And to a lot of us, Keith is the face behind Mud Buddy. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't mean anything by it. There was nothing implied <laughs> by that, Keith. So we thought it'd be really cool to have two Mud Buddy experts on here, you know, with this. Not to say that Dave's not, or, you know, I, I'm probably the least of all the four of us as an expert, but, you know, Dave definitely is. But yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not the face of the behind. Yeah, <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Keith. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> You guys forget who sends your parts. Remember that. Oh, I guarantee you. <laughs> you, you guys need me a lot more than I need you, no. <laughs> Man, I run a Mud Buddy HDR. It never breaks down. That's right. Never. Yeah. But one of these days it might, so it better be nice. The only time I have yeah. issues in, with mine is when I forget to put gas in it. <laughs> uh, come on freddie you, you got to do better than that i remember a couple years ago sending you a lot of parts <laughs> well we was we was trying to rebuild i didn't tell you at the time we were trying to rebuild it and and uh we ain't no good at that you might as well i just thought it, <laughs> i just i just thought it was your videos from jumping fever dams and all that other kind of stuff that oh, avoids that your was, warranty that, that was, Hey, he's reformed, Keith. He's that reformed. King, we put him in the box. Freddie King. That Freddie King. So we got the new Freddie. Oh, that's good. This is the new Freddie. The more reserved, you know. I'm even going to change my accent a little bit. <laughs> Did, didn't you do a video, Freddie, for the state of Arkansas on safe boat handling? Well, I did. I did some stuff. And then also I'm talking with a few uh, personnel from Game and Fish and going to get a lot more aggressive as far as you know, trying to put the word out to a lot of these kids and the younger generation about, you know, proper and ethical boating. That's all there is to it. And as well, you know, the, uh, just having a stronger bit of respect for your fellow outdoorsmen out there. You know, there's a lot of different things we can do to make everybody else's hunt you know, a, a, a lot more rewarding and simple things like, uh, when you get to your spot, get, when you leave the boat ramp, go to your spot, get to your spot, stay in your spot, shut your motor off. Don't do a lot of running around. And, and when your hunt's done, wait, you know, if you happen to kill out at eight or 15, sit still, sit quiet till 
945, 1015, let the bulk of everybody enjoy their hunt. Don't just run out, you know, and, 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 and mess up the morning for everybody else. And just simple things like that can make such a major difference, you know, and it, it's all, uh, and it takes every one of us, but we got to lead by example and Freddie King's turning over a new leaf, you know, now I'm not one of those guys that leave early cause we don't ever kill anything that quick, but, <laughs> but, but, but there's a lot of other things we can do to, you know, to educate. And as far just lead by example, example, just lead by example. And, and that's what it takes. There's so many young kids now that don't have the mentorship that, that we did growing up and, a lot of us were real fortunate with that, and a lot of us are a lot less fortunate. So we got to lead by example and be the person we want others to be. Oh, amen. You know, amen. yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, and we talked we talked a little while ago, you and you and Jay Paul and and me, Freddie. That we were talking about Andrew Flair, who we had done a podcast with, and uh, he's a big fisherman, and he, he he's on YouTube a lot. He's got a big following. But he uh, he was telling us that one of his most rewarding things that, that happens to him is when younger people come to him and say, I learned to fish from you by watching your videos. It's like they'll say things like, my, my dad doesn't fish, so you're, you're the one. And, and that's the way. And I think, I think YouTube now and with all the social media and everything else, we really do have to lead by example. And, and we really get this incredible opportunity to educate uh, by the things that we do. Well, you're a hundred percent right with that. And I mean, don't get me wrong. TV is still a standard and that sort of thing, but today's younger generation is spot oriented. And when I mean that, you know, they, they, their, their social media, their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram, their, you know, they're, they're all those things. And, and that's people in YouTube and they, they turn to that for, educational lessons nowadays that's all there is to it you know and so with that you got to you got to provide an educational i hate to say resource but that's what it is but an educational value to anything you put out there myself especially i'm not saying that i'm anybody but i do there's a few people that there's like seven people that follow me and you know, I just want to make sure that in the years past that I keep that Freddie King, you know, in the box, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the times are changing and we got to do that. Uh, I mean, the uh, duck hunting numbers in the state where we hunt are extremely, ex have grown tremendously. Twice to three times what they were 10 to 15 years ago. And, you know, you have to you have to watch your P's and Q's out there and be a lot more responsible outdoorsman, not just for your own, but for everybody else's uh, hunt. You know, you want everybody to enjoy their time of field. Yeah, I agree. You know, the, the duck hunting has become more and more competitive. Although you look at the overall numbers, and duck hunting numbers are down quite a bit down from the last in the last twenty years. I think there's certain areas like where you are, Freddie, and in Utah, that's growing very rapidly, especially Salt Lake. Um, there's more and more hunters, more competition. Um, you know, all the more reason to be considerate of each other, and uh, you know, so everybody could have a a fun and enjoyable hunt. You know, I mean, you could certainly ruin a guy's day, or you know, vice versa. If you set up too close, and 
sky bust and scare ducks by calling. Now, I don't, not that I do that, but uh, any case, um, you know, there's uh, there's more hunting pressure out there in certain areas, and uh, there's no reason, you know, everybody can't have fun and and have a good time in the outdoors. Well, I mean, we need every single one of us, you know. So why not why not make everybody's experience that you know so that there's more folks involved in the sport because we 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 we're under attack by antis and all that sort of thing and. We need every single one of our outdoorsmen, brethren. That's all there is to it. And, you know, and negative things out there, you know, do push a few few folks away from the sport. And we just don't need that. We need, we need as many of us out there as possible to make sure that the lifestyle that we grew up with remains intact for future generations to come. That's all there is to it. No doubt about that. I mean, and, and I'll tell you, the politically correct crowd and the antis, you know, and, and PETA, I mean, it, we've got so many forces going against us as, as hunters. And it's alarming, you know, the, the power that some of these organizations are, are gaining while our hunter numbers are diminishing. Just this morning, I heard something that blew my mind. Did you know that under pressure from PETA, the company that makes animal crackers, it's going to, they're going to continue to make animal crackers, and I'm not making this crap up either, but they are changing the packaging, and the animal cracker box that we grew up with, you'll no longer see it because PETA has raised cane to get them to remove the pictures of the animals in the <laughs> zoo. Oh, I'm not wow. kidding. Now, now, no, you're absolutely right. I, I saw this morning as well. I read that article. I was just absolutely blown away, and I'm trying to remember the old animal. And I guess there were, like, kind of bars yeah, around them because it was a zoo. Gone. But, <laughs> man. But, you know, I love I love that you bring this up, though. I, I find it so interesting that, that these people – you know and and bless them you know really just bless them but they they think they know a lot and they have a lot of passion for for the environment all of this but i i i fly you to name me one of them that knows more about the area the outdoor area that they live in better than any hunter out there you guys like freddie king you guys know more about the area and we discussed this last week that you've got to go out and you've got to scout and you've got to know your area. You've got to know where you are because things change with the water levels and everything. You guys know more about the environment and how to protect it and keep it safe and pristine than any any of these any of these other people. Wow. Well, hunters are experts in the game they pursue. That's how you're successful. You know the game. You know exactly. Uh, you know the the dynamics of ducks, population, the species, their habits. Um, yeah. Hunters are experts in, in the game they pursue. And, uh, you know, non-hunters, uh, yeah, they couldn't tell you anything about ducks other than, oh, it's bad to kill ducks. But, you know, they know a lot going of back to PETA, crackers. you know, PETA probably fine if they had people crackers and just had people on, this, on the box. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No, you know, the best thing, the greatest thing that PETA ever did was uh, that Big campaign friend. with all the actresses uh, where they went – uh, natural nude for PETA. That's probably the only good thing. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah, it's just, I, I got us off track there and I apologize. But, you know, I mean, it's gotten to the point of ridiculous where, you know, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars to have Barnum's Animal Crackers repackaged so it shows the animals free ranging. And if they're pas that passionate about the packaging on a box of Animal Crackers, it, you know, just think of how they must feel about us. Oh, Lord. I mean, it's, it's uh, those people pretty much want to see outdoorsmen, hunters eradicated. I mean, you can Yeah, they, they'd want the opposite. They I don't mean, want not, us not just, They that, want us behind bars. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I say eradicated, I mean <laughs> drawn and quartered. They, that's, that's how badly they want us eradicated. But oh well, that's 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 the sign of the times, and you know we we've got to take care to educate the young, bring more people to sport, bring everything in a positive light, and keep those kind of people at bay. That's all there is to it, and the best way we can do that is just through social media and being an extremely, extremely positive role models. That's all there is to it. Right. You know, they've done a lot of surveys and uh, overwhelmingly the number of non-hunters still have no issue with hunting. They're fine with it. It's a small percentage that are, you know, deeply opposed. Majority of non-hunters are not opposed to our lifestyle or hunting. You know, and the same is true. The same is true for gun owners, too. I mean, you know, there are a large majority of gun owners are not opposed to concealed carry laws or or uh, us owning guns, but we still, you know, come under fire. I thought it was really, really interesting. Yesterday, uh, for our expansion here in Tennessee, we had a, a visitor come in, one of the board members of uh, one of the companies that we're working with on the financial side. This gentleman, he went to law school at Georgetown, uh, was educated at Howard before that. He's lived in Washington, D.C. his entire life. And I don't know how the subject came up on guns, but we were driving from a meeting uh, um, over to a restaurant for lunch. And this man is in his, I'm guessing around 60-ish and lived in the D.C. area his entire life. Very intelligent, very well-spoken, nice guy. He said, you know what, I've never fired a gun. As a matter of fact, I've never even touched a gun. The only time I've ever seen a gun uh, was on some law enforcement person's belt or on TV. The only ones I've seen in person was where a cop was wearing it. And uh, I just opened up the armrest there between us. He was in the passenger side of the front seat, you know, where I keep my carry pistol, my 38 special. And I'm like, well, you got one right there live. And he said, wow. And, you know, and we talked about the carry laws here, and, and he had no problem with it, you know. It's just, you know, even though he's never fired a gun in his life, and there are a lot of people that are out there like that, unfortunately, it's the vocal few, you know, that really, really get the press, you know, and here's my take on that, you know, uh, heck, if outlawing guns will solve, you know, the crime problem, then maybe we ought to outlaw heroin and meth, and that'll solve the drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> that works real good. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you can't, you can't, 
there, there's no reaching or touching some of these folks and their beliefs. And it, like you were saying, it's those that scream the loudest. It may be only two or three of them versus, you know, five or 6,000, but the ones that scream the loudest seem like society just gives into them. And I don't know. And that's not the way I was raised. That's most of my generation, you know, wasn't raised that way, but for some reason, today's generation, they they succumb to that, and I don't and I, I don't know, uh, I, I can't figure it out, but it's definitely a change of times. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and you know, to go back to where we started, I mean, I hope that everybody out there listening realizes that this isn't something that we're just you know on a soapbox preaching about. We've come to the realization through you know different events. I know Freddie, you were extraordinarily active um, in the you know campaign to keep. Arkansas from banning mud motors on game and fish areas. And that was very important. I mean, we, we've seen real attacks. So when we talk about this, you know, we're talking about something that we have real life experiences in and, and, and it can definitely, you know, make a difference. Um, you know, the new mufflers that we're coming out with, you know, if you're running one of our motors uh, and you're running a non-stock muffler or a performance muffler, Please, if you're going to hunt public land or where others are, you know, uh, replace that with with a Q, one of our new quieter mufflers. Uh, you know, we've made strides as a company. Keith, I know you've been very involved in this to to quieten these motors down so we can be considerate of others. Yeah, and, you know, going back to that, uh, you know, Arkansas, that was the primary reason for our viewers who don't know for the ban was the noise of these yeah, motors. It- Boards, well, you get right, you get all these young kids who just take their even their stock muffler and they cut the end off, they gut it, and now it's obscenely loud. And I I remember being young, I liked noise, and in my elderly years here, I wanted is I wanted to be performance and still give me the quietness that I need, and that's the that's the battle that we're battling. There's a fine line between noise and performance and quietness. And that's what we're battling here all the time is how quiet do we make it? And how much performance are we willing to give up? But these kids who run these gutted mufflers and think that that's the best thing out there for them and their motor, you know, uh, it's not. It, it, it's harmful for everybody around them, including themselves. Well, I'm, I'm, a t- I'm the top that. I don't want to know anybody to know where I'm going. So the quieter I can be, the better off it is. But, you know, it, it, just like you said, it, the, the noise is a major deal. And, I, and I'm glad to see that, that Keith, y'all are really, really, really getting on this because there are some improvements. But like you said, performance will have to, you know, we'll, we'll have to lose performance on some of these motors and that sort of thing. But as technology increases, so will the ability to, to do things that that will quieten down motors even more so in the future, but we just kind of got to get caught up. Yeah, and, you know, secondly, these motors are just getting better, plain and simple. They're getting faster, more sophisticated. Look at the EFI motors. I mean, those are head and shoulders over, you know, the older carbureted motors. So, you know, motors themselves are getting faster, more efficient, uh, you know, just smarter motors. So less and less of a importance on the, exhaust and the the little performance gain you get from from exhaust well and what well, you know my thing is uh and it just goes back to the 
to to the old saying, you know, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. If you can't hear me, you don't know I'm there. So I mean, that's just that's just the way that the way that I want my duck hunting to be. But of course, you know, some of these motors that that some of these kids are running. My and just to kind of back up a little bit, I run a BPSQ. All right, and it and it's that motor has a low tone to it. And when you run it responsibly is, is no more intrusive to other outdoorsmen than 90% of the two stroke outboards out there running. That's, that's all there is to it. I've listened to my own motor running, you know, while somebody else was coming, uh, shuffling people back and forth to the hole or something like that versus other outboards. And, and it's, it's no more. It's the way that you act with that motor and the way that you drive it that, that dictates just how much noise that a, a motor is making. So, but now with the same regards, like you're saying, there's a lot of folks that take that stock muffler and they cut it and good grief. It, I mean, it, it's as, it's as obno- obnoxious as it can get. And nobody wants to hear that. No, it's good for the ducks, though, though, Freddie, because it just shakes all the acorns from the trees when they go through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Dave. Yeah. That is. Yeah, that, oh, that is a good one. Well, <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I'm glad to see that, that, that Keith is really on that over there. And and has been for what? Probably probably last year and a half or so, hadn't you, Keith? Yeah, we've been it's something we battle with, you know, just trying to find that balance that gives you a little bit of performance and keeps us under the noise ordinance that, that are out there. I mean, you know, Arkansas was the one that was in the highlight this year, but there's 31 states out there that have these noise ordinance laws. And if people keep pushing it, they're going to start enforcing it. So now you're going to have, you think the fish cops are bad now. They're really going to be out there once they know they can start enforcing noise ordinance laws and start writing you a ticket. And you don't have to worry about your limit or anything like that. Now it's the noise. You, we've just, you know, we're bringing some of it upon ourselves. There's the, always the few that make it a little bit tougher for the others, you know, and it's, it's just sad. How, fa- and I, 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 this, I always think of this, how fast do you need to get to your hole? You know, I'm lucky. I hunt with a guy here at work who belongs to a club. So I don't, we don't have to be there at four o'clock in the morning and race to where everybody else is. Cause like, I don't hunt public land a lot. It's all private land. So I look at it a little bit different there. It's very quiet, very restricted, but how fast, why do you need 65 horsepower motor to get you to your hole? Well, that's absolutely yeah. right. You know, and you know, uh, I, I'm I'm just glad to see that that y'all are making some pretty good headway, and uh, uh, because if we don't, I mean there 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 will it'll be continual continuing battle, and that's all there is oh, to it. We, and it uh, will be, you know, education. <laughs> if we can't educate them, we're not we're we're just going to keep going backwards. That's it. That's it. That's it. I know, and that, yeah, that's that. Requires a lot of patience. Well, well yeah, it does. Just I tell you one of the most impressive things about the whole deal in Arkansas was the way that uh, throughout it all, Freddie, and I'm fixing to brag on you, buddy, because I really do, you know, know that you mean everything that you're saying and and the the class that you demonstrated 
over the last the several months prior to the decision being rendered uh, was pretty doggone impressive. And that's the way to do it. You know, kill them with kindness, uh, make well thought out logical arguments and present it well and present it politely. And, um, you know, you can get a heck of a lot further that way. And I think it showed by how well we did there. But speaking of the other innovations in the Mud Buddy Motors, uh, we got a couple of new ones, 25th anniversary right now. Tell us a little bit, Keith, about the 40 and the 50 and where they're falling into our lineup. They're following to the lineup right now, guys. They they are killing us. We cannot build them fast enough. It's one of those things that we do on our little Facebook lives that we do on Thursdays is talk about. It's like we're not trying to say, you know, or brag about what we're doing. But if you want a 40 anniversary or a 50 anniversary, don't wait because duck hunters over the 10 years I've been here, they're not very patient people when the season starts. <laughs> Well, they procrastinate for one thing. Yeah, they, exactly, Dave. They're procrastinators, and the day before duck season opens, they want to now. So the, the 40 and 50, um, just both flying out of here, um, the 50 is built off of the 40 EFI Briggs & Stratton. Uh, it's got some modifications done to the heads that uh, we have done here. Um, it's a 50-plus horsepower motor without doing a lot of internal stuff, and it runs the BPSQ. A um, couple of the features that are both on both of the anniversary ones that we're really liking and getting a lot of feedback is we've added the new trim switch into the base plate. So instead of trying to reach into the boat to raise your motor up and stuff, it's on the oil filter side of your motor because I can never remember starboard or stern and you can reach over there and raise your motor up and down starboard just like you can an outboard. Yeah. Starboard report. I don't know which side it is, but you know, uh, <laughs> I got to break it on that one. Keith, come I on. Don't. Man. I get come guys on. that tell me that all the time. I can't remember. I'm a boater, but I don't remember. And then that momentary uh, switch, you know, I've, I've driven a couple of the mud buddies um, in the last few months. We've got some of our, our test motors that have the new style handle with the momentary switch built into it. And then the marketing boat, which we run a lot, it doesn't have it. And it's really frustrating because once you've had something that's new style and you got to run the version that's only three or four months older and you don't have that extra little gadget that you've grown accustomed to. So um, just some great little, just little things that have made, um, Life here at Mud Buddy go crazy. It's just but insane. Even I mean, at the, that, lead times are about four weeks for new orders. So there's still plenty of time. And also many of our larger dealers have an inventory of both 40s and 5,000s. Um, but, you know, for these guys hunting early seasons up in the upper Midwest, yeah, you don't want to hold off too much longer. Yeah, procrastination will not be your friend if you're if you're wanting something new. Yeah, they're they're just amazing. They're just they've been uh, good. The guys down on the floor are cranking them out as fast as we can. Uh, they're doing a great job. Um, the engineer guys are always thinking ahead, and I think that's one thing that's put Mud Buddy ahead of our competitors is we believe we're the innovators and not the imitators. We're not waiting for somebody else to do something and follow them. We're trying to stay ahead of the game. And I think that's the 10 years I've been with the company. I think that's where we've always excelled is we're always 
without thinking the competitors or what's the next big thing that we can do at Mud Buddy that's going to keep us at the top of the game. And that's where Glenn Foreman, the owner and the engineers have done a great job. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's a reason that a lot of people aren't innovators. First of all, it takes money. It takes, you know, you got to put a lot of money into, well, just say if you're changing up a prop style just to see how it works. I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of money for a new jig, you know, and, and a lot of them hit the floor that, that, don't cut the grade. So, well, you know, yeah, their definition of R&D is a little different than ours. Their definition is rip-off and design. Well, that, that's for sure. And you talk about innovations that you get used to, like the – I love the, the momentary, the bump feature. <laughs> and then I added to my boat, my personal hunting boat, the grab bar – I call it the old crap handle uh, – the uh, grab bar trim switch – and you talk about incredible. And the other day I went out with a guy and I was running his boat and he's got a 3070 FI that does not have that feature. Man, like, <laughs> how did I survive without this? And you know, well, and I I know mean, it, it's just like when, I mean, could you imagine even trying to go back to just your standard, you know, bump switch board without reverse? <laughs> I mean, it, no. you know, they're, they're for years. Oh, I, you know, they're for a couple of years when y'all were talking about reverse and all that, you know, I said, like, what do I need reverse for? I've got a paddle. I can bump the first. Now it's like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, there's no way. There, there's, there's no way I could go back w- with a, a surface drive motor without reverse. I mean, uh, it, it'd be just like you said, now that you're used to that on your, your old crap handle, the, your trim switch right there. I mean, there's there's pretty much no way you're going to ever want to run that boat without it. Yeah. And let me tell you, if you've got an older Mud Buddy motor, uh, I mean, this uh, grab handle trim switch is uh, made to adapt. You can retrofit it to older models as well, as long as they've got tilted trim on them. It, it's a game changer. It's worth, if, if we sold it for twice as much, it would be worth every single penny of it because it's so convenient it's an added safety issue you know i just i know we're going to see somebody ripping it off before long too but if it hadn't already happened i just don't know it but because it is truly a great innovation and i think that is where no pun intended we excel you know bringing that out there of course it helps when you got guys like you freddie that you know do r&d for us right there in the field you know (laughs) well (laughs) it, it, that's that's been a major part of the fun for XL and Mud Buddy over the years. But you know, like I said, I'm dialing it back a little bit. So now I may have to, to somewhat, you know, test items here and there, and I might. Get a little, <laughs> nobody's going to know about it. Nobody's going to know about. It. Don't put it on camera, Freddie. If they can't see yeah. it on camera, they don't know what happened. <laughs> No. You know, I got an email the other day, and I think Dave and Keith, you may have seen this too. I know Jeffrey did about uh, a, a upcoming video deal with, you know, and Glenn was like, and, and yeah, no showboating. How did he say that, Dave? And it wasn't directed to me or Freddie, by the way. It was, you know, totally somebody else that was doing something really nice for us. But yeah, no, yeah. no, uh, no hot dogging was the phrase oh, he used. Right. No hot dogging. <laughs> yeah. No hot dogging. <laughs> Not on camera anyway, but you know, honestly, I mean, it, hey, 
you got to test them. And if you don't push it to the limit, and if you don't have guys, you know, that are, that are willing to do that, I mean, well, you know, right. a- it, it puts, it puts our products to the test. I mean, you know, the F-150 Baja, you don't see, you know, the, you look at their ads and they're getting air off of jumps and, you know, and it, uh, yeah, there's nothing like putting your product to the extreme test to, to you know, improve upon the quality and design. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, Freddie, you've done a lot for us as far as you couldn't have a better R and D person than uh, Freddie King out there in the backwoods of Arkansas. I was always screaming disclaimers, but nobody was paying attention. Closed <laughs> <laughs> circuit, do not try at home. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, there's too many that try to do what Freddie, and I get that all the time talking to people like, well, Freddie does it. <laughs> like, well, if he jumps off the building, are you going to, you know, it's like crazy. Yes. You know, it's amazing what people will do and copy. And it's covered under warranty, right? That's my favorite line. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, there's duck hunters do, do stupid stuff anyway. No, you know, I, no. <laughs> we do, we hey, do y'all watch this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it just just in 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 the act of the the hunt for some reason. I mean, we we do stupid stuff like, well, we really need to get over there. Next thing you know, you're driving your you know, you're, you're four-wheel drive across the field, and, and you're pulling your boat, and now you got everything stuck out there. And before you know it, you got four more of your buddy's trucks out there stuck, trying to get one truck out. And it's it, and so we're we're prone to idiotic moments. That, yeah, and that's, that, uh, I have to remind you, that's 3 o'clock in the morning, too. You know? Yeah, well, right. <laughs> and I mean, and, and then the next thing you do, okay, let's unload, let's unload this mule, let's hook to the boat, and let's let's pull the boat out there, and then we'll get launched. So, y'all have left all your trucks out there, you know, and, and there's a cold front coming, and you're dragging, <laughs> you know, you're all pushing this mule and dragging the boat, and, and it's taking everything you can get out there. And you get out there, and you set up, crack it on, you you, you kill a, you know, a merganser and and a, I don't know, a duck that most people don't even know what it is. But, and then and and the whole time it's it's starting to sleep and the temperatures are dropping and all that kind of mess and you gotta go back and you're dreading that phone call, you know, and that phone call is to the farmer. You know, hey, we need you to get your big tractor out. And he comes out there and he looks at y'all like y'all are the dumbest people on the earth. You know, no wonder Antis want to see us gone. <laughs> you know, I think I think uh, it's just bred into a duck hunter's DNA to make poor decisions when you really want to go. You know, I mean, listen, we did a hunt last winter in the ice and stuff down in southern Arkansas, where thank God for the winch on the front of the F4 because we took. We couldn't get in any further. The ice was too thick. We couldn't get the ice broken and let the trailer go through it to get into the water, which turned out to be too shallow. <laughs> so one of us had the, somebody had the brilliant idea to take the log chain from my truck, wrap it around a tree out in the, out in the, the bayou there, attach that to the back of the boat, and then, and then snatch the trailer with the truck out from under the boat. And then when we did that, we realized we couldn't turn the damn thing around. But luckily, we took the winch on the front of the boat, and uh, we, we, 
winched it all the way around, turned it around, you know, and, and nobody ever thought about, okay, at the end of the day, how the heck are we going to get these out? (laughs) Luckily for us, the the ice, we left them in overnight and it warmed up and the ice melted and we were able to get a trailer in far enough that we could take the winch on the front of the boats and, and actually use the winch on the front of the boat to winch the boat up on to the trailer. But, you know, man, we've all made those. I'm fixing, (laughs) I'm not going to say how old I'm going to be next month, but I'm way into midlife right now. And I still find myself doing stupid crap during duck season that I know better than. You know, what the heck's up with that, guys? I don't know. But maybe now would be a good time to uh, discuss, like, your, your top, everybody give us your top, the dumbest thing you've ever done duck hunting. Do you dare? on this podcast right now tell yeah i want to hear from each of you 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 three big hunters dumbest thing you've ever done on a hunt (laughs) (laughs) we don't have enough time with freddie here (laughs) help me and freddie you're gonna have to have a piece of college rule notebook paper to start making a list (laughs) (laughs) how about you dave where do you start man i gotta think about that yeah I'll go first because I, I I'm not as experienced and been hunting as long as you guys. I went hunting with Logan, one of our engineers, young kid. I'm twice his age. He takes me down to Utah Lake. He hands me my gun, a chair, and a bag of decoys. The mud is up to your knees, and I don't know how many times I fell, but I was smart enough to put a jacket inside my waders. So when I got to where we were going, I could put on a warm, clean, dry jacket. And I thought to myself. You're 55 years old. What the <laughs> hell are you doing to shoot a bird? Oh, we had a great time. You know, it was just, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, this is fun. And, and when the shooting started and the birds were flying, I forgot about all the pain and how cold I was until I turned around and we had to walk back to the boat that we left sitting out in the middle of the lake because we ran it as far as we could and it wouldn't bust any more ice. And we, left the boat there and we walked back to the boat i'm thinking this is just nuts but, but you was ready to do it again the next oh yeah i was ready to do it again <laughs> i took a lot of ibuprofen that night <laughs> <laughs> what's the dumbest thing you've ever done freddie I, I i've got so many i don't even like thinking about <laughs> there, uh, i mean there's some dumb stuff that i have done I mean, we've, you know, we own a little bit of property on 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 east side of a, a very, you know, infamous wildlife management area, and I cannot tell you how many times I've driven in when you could not tell where the river was, and in the dark, and you know, everything looks like a, a, a one flat ocean out there. Just enough little sticks of weed sticking up to where you could tell the road. In just one wrong turn, you were going 50, 60 foot down. And <laughs> in the dark, you know, and I've, I've had people, I tell them, you know, follow me. And, and that's, you know, that's stupid stuff. I mean, that you know, that's, that's just stupid stuff that you do. And, uh, and you look back now on it and you're like, holy moly, you know, that, that was probably one of the dumbest things I've done. But I mean, I've, I've I've done idiotic things like trying to cross a slough with you know with with a a, a truck and completely submerge it. I've done that twice. 
I mean, I, uh, I, <laughs> I don't like talking about it. I've, I've uh, pulled up to a steep ramp once and, and uh, I had an old Dodge uh, and I don't know how it bumped out of gear, but it went underwater on a ramp. So, I mean, my stories go on and on. I mean, uh, uh, you know, not even going to talk about the dents and stuff that times I've been thrown out of boat because of idiotic driving. Y'all have seen half of those videos, but it's just probably, if I was going to guess the number one dumbest thing I ever done was probably, we drove down to a pretty strong management area down south. I'm trying to stay away from naming names, you know what I mean? So uh, we go down south Arkansas with this management area, and we get all our stuff, and, and, and there's three of us. Now, mind it, there's three of us, and we start getting our stuff out and getting ready and all that kind of mess, and a daggum warden pulls up there. And you know, we're you know, well warden's gonna sit there and we're we're the only boat that well, let me tell you, there's there's some deer hunters there that we, we knew they were deer hunting, they were parked on the other side. But anyway, so we're like getting our stuff ready, getting ready to launch and warden walks over there, what are you boys doing? Well, we're fixing to go duck hunting. And season had closed the day before. So that's about as dumb as it gets. So, you know, and that, that, now that granted, this is a long time ago, you know, and that kind of thing. But, but, uh, I mean, this is probably 25 years ago. But, I mean, that's, you know, that, that was, that probably was my most stupid moment. But luckily we didn't get out there and, and then it, it was on the way out instead of coming in. Because trust me, we would have had a good morning. I guaranteed it. <laughs> I can't. I can't admit to really doing anything dumb duck hunting. Actually, I, I've been trying oh, to. Come on, oh, hey, come on, come on! But hey, there, there was this incident. Opening day at Bear River Refuge. Me and my buddy went out. We were, we got out there early, get set up, and and from miles away, we heard this scraping noise down the road. Just this. <laughs> And it went on and on and on, and we were at the boat ramp pushing our boat off, and this this guy pulls into the parking lot. He had his canoe on a trailer behind his boat. His canoe fell off. He drugged that boat for probably six miles. Oh, my God. to say that canoe did not have a bottom. Oh. <laughs> Opening day. Opening day. Fresh camo job on this beautiful canoe. <laughs> guy pulled up, no bottom to his canoe. Hey, I've, I've driven off. I've driven off with my shotgun on the back bumper of my truck. Oh no! Yeah, and luckily, luckily, it didn't come off until I rounded a turn, and the inertia going around the turn put it in the ditch, and it was in a floating gun case. And I came back and found it, and uh, you know, I got back to the. I got back to the house. And, and this was just last season. I mean, this is, I got back to the house and realized I wanted to clean my gun and I didn't have my gun. Talk about a, talk about a sinking feeling in your gut. Oh my gosh, man. I mean, that is, you know, $1,700 Benelli Super Black Eagle three shotgun. <laughs> and you have no clue where it's at and you're in Arkansas. You know, the dumbest, I mean, I can think of, 
a bunch, but probably the stupidest thing that I've done in a long time I did just this past duck season. <clears throat> I had a spot that I really, really wanted to get to. And I went in there in my boat and I was going to do actually some scouting. It was mid, early mid morning and luckily it wasn't real cold and I was going to do some scouting and have one of my buddies come join me that afternoon. So I took off in my boat up this little Creek and I got to a uh, log jam and I thought I would just Freddie King it, you know, I've done that a thousand times and go straight over that sucker. Well, what I didn't realize was that there was another log about eight or 10 feet past the log jam that was just barely underwater. And I didn't notice the current breaking over it. So I made it beautifully across the first one, but I high centered on the second one. So I'm stuck right there. The current, I'm in the middle of it. I can't get it free. I can't get the prop back down in the water because the logs behind me are holding it up. So I'm totally, totally stuck. And there's nothing in front of me that I can attach my winch to. Well, I made second bad decision. I thought I'd just step out of the boat and, uh, you know, and climb up because I actually had the eight wheel Argo part back at the truck, um, sitting back there. And, uh, you know, I'd assume that I was probably in about two feet of water. I floated my hat. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting down the boat. <laughs> but oh, so I get out of the water and uh and thank God I had my waiter belt on so it been tight, so I didn't, you know, actually just flood them, but I've managed to get out and that was I can imagine if somebody had watched me trying to get out of there because my ass is all floated up in the air from all the air trapped inside the waders. I'm going downstream and grabbing stuff. I finally get out, I go back to the truck, I put on I take put on a dry shirt, a dry jacket. Again it wasn't cold. I get on the Argo because I'm gonna use the Argo to pull the boat off of the log jam. And I don't even stop to think about how the heck I'm going to turn it back around and get it back out the other way. Well, in the process, uh, when I engage the winch on the Argo and start trying to pull the boat off the log jam, instead, the weight of the boat, the Argo sliding in the mud, goes into the creek. So now I've got the Argo in the creek. The sides of it are straight up and down where it's been cut out with a backhoe. There's no chance of those tires grabbing any bite and climbing back up out of that creek. I'm hooked to the dang boat. The boat's stuck on the log jam, and uh, and I'm still partially wet. Uh, about three hours later, my buddy comes looking for me uh, because I'd ruined my phone as well going underwater. My buddy comes looking for me, and at that point, I'd managed to get the Argo out of the creek after floating probably half a mile with the current down it to finally get to a point where I could crawl it out. But on the Argo, I jacked around, you know, trying to turn it because, you know, you turn it by locking up one side, the linkage, and turning the others, that I'd wreck the linkage. And so the Argo would only engage to stop and lock in the wheels on the right-hand side. So I had to drive back out through the woods with the Argo going in circles a lot of the way just or using the winch to pull me through gaps that I couldn't otherwise get to. And uh, 
it man it was just one bad decision after another trash the argo wrecked the boat dented the front of it ruined a pair of waders and never shot and, a duck that day and never fired a dang shot that day <laughs> but i got a hell of an adventure out of it would have been a different story if you got your limited greenheads you know oh, man. oh yeah well i mean the, the really sad thing about you know duck hunters and, and what jay paul is telling us about uh, is the the really really sad thing is the pure fact that it takes us twice to actually learn a lesson on something we've got to ourselves <laughs> twice doing something like that before we say okay we're not ever doing that again i think yeah. in some cases we never learn you know it's it's the draw of the green head you know it's yeah it's like it's a it's a, it's a disease it's like after that you sit back and you look jay paul you're probably like what was i thinking oh and then my two gosh. days later yeah. and then and then and i'm gonna say more right now two days later jay paul's like you know what if i just hit that about three miles per hour <laughs> <laughs> i could have cleared it <laughs> and here you go you are exactly right. I'll tell you what we did do. I did this this early this summer when the water out dry enough because I'm going to hunt that place this year one way or another. It ain't going to beat me. Now it's like a challenge. I borrowed a buddy's rubber tire backhoe, and I went down there, and I dug that damn log jam out of that creek. <laughs> I'm going to get through there this year because I'm going to get to those ducks there. But, man, we do. We make a bunch of – we make a bunch of bad decisions, but I tell you one that wasn't a bad decision. Uh, that was having you back on here again this week, Freddie. I mean, it's well, I've really enjoyed it, guys. And you know that it's the duck hunter in all of us. It's 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 what why we love the sport. It's memories like that, no matter how stupid they get. It, it's it, it's ingrained in us, you know. And I mean, it's those those stupid times. Versus, you know, the times that things work out, it, it, it's what keeps us going. And duck hunters that have lived the sport for a little while can truly attest to it. You know what? And if you haven't got a good story, maybe not quite that good. That was probably a <laughs> monumental stupidity right there out of me that day. But if you haven't got a good story like that, you probably, you probably need to go hunting a bunch more because a lot of times, you know, that's the fun of it. I mean, I was madder than heck that day when I finally got done. I was mad at myself. Nobody else really. But now I can sit back, you know, and it gives us, it gives us those great memories. It's character building. It does. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. I'd like to take me. I'd like to take me some of these uh, new age liberals duck hunting. <laughs> <laughs> give them yeah. some character, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. But, uh, but before we we end everything, I, I'd like to get a few tips from Keith. You know, as far as overall general maintenance, keep things rolling nice and slick. You know, during the off season with your your mud rig. You know, what what are the most important things to do? Yeah, I agree. I was I was gonna I was gonna ask Keith that same thing, which it follows right into this stupidity. When when you have a moment of extra stupidity, what is it that you need to be aware of? with these motors uh, thing, things you need to start thinking about right now because we've got early teal season coming up then the big the big hunt starts for everybody depending on your location is oil keep the oil clean keep it fresh uh, mike and i've been talking we're talking about every 25 hours they're air-cooled engine using oil um with a high zinc a uh, vr1 
Um, Micah likes now I, the name just shot right over my brain. Um, something with a high zinc content that really works good with the flat tapid cams and uh, that that are in these motors, fuel filters, um, you know, oil changes. Check the oil. If you've got the HDRs, check that oil. Every time you change the engine oil, check and make sure you have transmission oil. I don't want you to get stuck out there. You run out of oil in a transmission. We all know what happens. Um, a big one that is every year is my switch went out. I'm stuck in the middle of the water. Guys, they're 20 bucks a piece. I personally would carry a trim switch, a clutch switch, and a kill switch with a small little group of tools because as good as Micah and I are helping you on the phone to get going and back where you need to be, if you don't have any tools, we're good, but we're not that good. So it's just, it's just, it's just simple little things that you need to take care of. But right now, it's making sure your boat's ready. Don't wait till the last minute. I, I know here in Utah, it's getting close. We're going to start seeing probably in two weeks from now, maybe three weeks, because I'll wait that long. Everybody's going to want to come and get their motor service, and we can't do it. So take the time while you've got the time oil, filter, plugs, spare switches, just simple little things. They don't take up a lot of room. I hunt with Clint, who's our sales guy here. He has an old um, little envelope uh, bag like you take to the bank for your deposits. He's got two spark plugs. He's got a trim switch, clutch switch, kill switch, flat blade, screwdriver, Phillips screwdriver, a half inch, a nine sixteenths, and a three quarter. That's pretty much your little emergency kit that you need to keep with you. Um, and that'll keep your mud buddy going. That'll keep you from being upset and frustrated because you can take care of most of those problems, whether they be at home or if your clutch switch goes out, if you've got a screwdriver, you can change a switch out in the boat in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So, it's just the simple little things. We all remember your gun, your shell, your waders. Wait, my boat's not ready. So, and that's something that, you know, we talked about today for our Facebook lives is, you know, we're going to start talking about and going over and doing some photos here. And it's amazing. Here's your oil filter. Here's where you change the oil. This drains it, you know, just kind of go step by step because there's a lot of duck hunters out there who don't know how to do those kind of things. But if they take the time, 30, 40 minutes to maintenance their motor, um, it just runs that much better and you're that much happier. Trust me, I talk to a lot of unhappy people from September through January because of little maintenance things that they could have done to prevent them from having a good hunt. You know, and last but not least, it doesn't hurt to have a uh, paddle in your boat too. It's just simple little things like that. Um, if you can't find ethanol-free gas, make sure you run some kind of fuel stabilizer because ethanol doesn't really bother the EFI motors as much as it does the carburetor motors, which we have thousands and thousands of them out there. So use a fuel stabilizer. An ounce of preventance today will save you a lot of frustration when you're chasing that little bird across the sky. Yeah, that's great, great advice, you know, and I mean, fuel is one thing we talked about last time that a lot of people don't realize how important it is to stabilize that fuel. Um, and even if you're running non-ethanol, if you're going to put that boat up and store it, you know, you need to stabilize the fuel. Uh, 
because we even ethanol, non-ethanol fuel still will break down over time, won't it, Keith? Yes, it will. So, yeah, stabilizer, and there's a bunch of them out there. Everybody has a preference. We use stable here when we put uh, when we test the motors. We use stable and dump it into the five-gallon cans that we use when we pre-run everybody's motor. So your motor shipped to you, if it's still got a little bit of fuel in it, it's got uh, stable in it already. So that's just a, a good preventative thing. And we know when we were going to talk about two up on our Facebook Lives is – you know, about 1st of November, middle of November, everybody runs into, what do I do with a freezing throttle cable? Before it freezes, guys, pull the throttle cable off, tip one end into the ground and spray the other end until WD-40 comes flowing out the other side and then put it back on. You're good to go. Water in the cable is what makes it freeze. And the the ridiculous ways to get it unthawed, the urination one is the one that still gets me. One of the guys says, well, I just pee on mine. I'm like, well, uh, yeah, well, that will work until it freezes again, you idiot. <laughs> and I can tell you something else, don't do. I, I just thought of another dumb thing. Gosh, I even hate to admit this. One morning at the boat ramp, uh, oh, I've thought of two dumb things. All right, all right so but I didn't do the second one. Number one, uh, do not, do not take a cigarette lighter and just try to run it up and down that cable you're going to find that that coating on that cable that insulation it does melt. <laughs> it, it will that melt. and that just makes your problem even worse and number two for dang sure don't do what uh we watched one guy do one morning take a butane torch out and he was just about to stick it up there and start Thaw, trying to thaw it out and it wasn't our motor it was somebody else's brand when his buddy literally knocked him down because he was fixed to stick that torch right beside the gas tank oh man oh yeah <laughs> and luckily it, his it, buddy it, caught that one yeah, yeah. he's lucky his buddy caught. but it, it's just you if you can get the water out of the cable the cable will be fine and that's what's in there um, and so a little bit of grease on the end, WD-40 it really good, put a little grease on both ends of the cable, that will help keep the water out. There's just simple little things that will save you from flying onto the bank or into the tree or things like that. So Common sense, common sense. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> man, I said we were going to keep this short. We've been rocking for well over an hour now, but it's been great. Uh, uh, you know, here's what I think. I think, Jeffrey, in a couple, three weeks, uh, we probably need to bring in Freddie Part 3. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree. I, I've still got several questions. We were going to talk to Dave about uh, about the youth. He's got, he's got a son that's starting to, yeah. uh, to duck hunt as well. We were going to get into that. Um, we were going to get into a little more, Keith, with uh, his steps for, for opening season and preparedness. That's kind of our – our whole uh, campaign going on right now is is uh, prep for the season. So I think, yeah, next week we might have to do a part three. I mean, there's let's just, do it. There's too much. Right. Let's do it. All, All right, guys, let's get, let's get the same gang together, all five of us back next week. And uh, until then, we're going to do it again, part three with Freddie King. But until then, I'm J. Paul Jackson for Jeffrey Whitlock, Dave Reynolds, Keith Mitchell, not Kevin. And of course, our own Freddie King. <laughs> Thanking you guys for tuning in to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. <laughs>